Hi, this is Mark Rabin. Before the episode, let me quickly tell you about my new book. It's titled Measures of Success. It's a book that will help you react less to your performance metrics, every up and down in those. It'll help you lead better. It'll help you improve more. So you can learn more about the book by going to www.measuresofsuccessbook.com or you can search Amazon. It's available as a print book, a Kindle book. It's available through Apple Books. I hope you'll check it out. Hi, this is Mark Raven. If you like this podcast, you might realize I have a blog, leanblog.org. Did you also know that I have another podcast called Lean Blog Audio? And there I basically, occasionally, or as often as I can, I read audiobook style versions of blog posts. So you can go to leanblog.org slash audio or search in your favorite podcast place for Lean Blog Audio. I hope that'll give you something else uh, that's food for thought, something else to help you in your lean journey. Welcome to the Lean Blog Podcast. Visit our website at www.leanblog.org. Now here's your host, Mark Graben. Hi, this is Mark Graben. Welcome to episode 120 of the podcast for June 21st, 2011. My guests today are Jody Crane and Chuck Noon. They are co-authors of a new book called The Definitive Guide to Emergency Department Operational Improvement, Employing Lean Principles with Current ED Best Practices to Create the No-Weight Department. So Dr. Jody Crane is one of the nation's leading experts in emergency department operations. He's an emergency physician practicing at Mary Washington Hospital in Fredericksburg, Virginia, and he's also worked with hundreds of EDs from around the world in adopting innovations in the delivery of emergency care. And Chuck Noon is a professor of management science in the College of Business at the University of Tennessee. He's a founding member of the highly ranked physician executive MBA program and continues to teach there. So we have two guests, a physician and an industrial engineer, talking about how you can apply lean principles and practices to improving emergency departments and improving emergency patient care. So I encourage you to check out their book. You can find it on Amazon and other sources. And you can find past episodes at www.leanpodcast.org. Thanks for listening. Well, Chuck and Jody, I want to thank you for taking time out to talk today on the podcast. It's our pleasure. Yeah, thanks for having us, Mark. Now, Chuck, uh, can you start by introducing yourself and, and your role and your early exposure to lean? Uh, sure. Uh, Mark, my educational background was all in industrial engineering, and in particular, it was in uh, things like operations management and operations. I joined the uh, faculty at University of Tennessee in the College of Business uh, back in 1987. Uh, for a number of years, I taught the traditional kinds of uh, operations management courses, process improvement, uh, some optimization, and so forth. But about 13 years ago, the College of Business launched the uh, Physicians Executive MBA program uh, with, from the college. So that is a, an EMBA program that's exclusively for physicians. And so the, the great thing about that is that, you know, you get this window uh, of the real world, uh, especially from the uh, perspective of the physicians, but you understand what their concerns are and the amount of dysfunction and so forth uh, associated with uh, healthcare delivery systems. So um, in 2004, 
uh, Jody Crane, uh, ER physician, was a student in that program. And uh, I was uh, directing the equivalent of his master's thesis within that program, which although he was an ER physician, his uh, project or thesis concerned uh, hospital-wide flow. So we started uh, working together that year uh, while he was in the program, and he did a he did a fine job on that. But after his graduation, then he went back and began to uh, apply the the concepts that that we had learned or had been taught through that program, uh, and and began to apply them with a with a lot of success. A few failures, but mostly success and. Great thing was as he was applying these in his real world ER back in Virginia, we were able to sort out what worked and what didn't and why. Uh, because this was in the early days, really, when this whole concept of of a manufacturing originated set of concepts and philosophies being lean uh, were now making their way into to service operations and in particular into into healthcare operations. So um, Jody and I began collaborating on executive education starting about 2006. We began teaching classes at the University of Tennessee Executive Education Center uh, in, in the area of lean healthcare. care. Uh, so we uh, have taught together in that venue uh, for a, a number of years. And uh, in, the, in the last few, though, we have really begun to focus on emergency uh, medicine operations. Uh, I guess we figure that with the amount of variation and and uh, sort of the level of dysfunction uh, in that particular uh, area, if you can if you can su- successfully apply lean in that kind of clinical setting, uh, you can pretty much apply it anywhere. So that's kind of how we got to where we we were. I'll turn it back to you, Mark. Okay, thanks, Chuck and and, and Jody. You know, uh, can you give us your background and, and maybe how you first took interest in, in lean and these improvement methodologies. Yeah, sure. Be happy to. So um, my tale begins around the year 2000 or so. Uh, I, I was just coming out of my residency. I, I uh, trained in uh, at the University of Illinois in Chicago, and uh, I, I took a, a job at a fairly busy emergency department um, at Mary Washington Hospital, um, which at that time... Uh, saw about 65,000 visits or so a year. And, uh, you know, I chose to kind of take a busier, a busier emergency department uh, just because I was uh, really interested in getting a lot of experience and uh, uh, wanted to be able to work side by side with other physicians, pretty much uh, most or all shifts so that, uh, you know, I could kind of uh, really understand emergency medicine. And as, uh, as I, uh, as the emergency department at Mary Washington grew, it actually grew very quickly because it's a it's the only uh, hospital in town, so to speak. And and so, um, you know, a couple years into it, um, you know, around 2003, our our uh, we had just gone through an expansion and we doubled the size of our emergency department in 2002. Um, around that time, I took on an, an assistant directorship position, and around around 2003, our our ED got real busy, uh, went up to 72. Uh, seventy-four thousand visits or so, and uh, and the wheels started kind of falling off the bus. It got very difficult to run. We had um, real problems with with boarding in the emergency department, and uh, we had very long length of stays and very unhappy patients, and uh, and and a fairly frustrated community with um, how our ED was performing. And uh, 
uh, it was around that time I, I kind of, I said, Hey, you know, is this really what I signed up for? You know, um, am I really kind of doomed to practice in this, in, in a real dysfunctional healthcare system? And so, uh, that's when I kind of looked around and I said, Hey, yeah, why don't I go back and get my MBA? Uh, perhaps I'll, um, maybe go into hospital administration. Maybe I'll, uh, uh, maybe I'll go into something else other than medicine, uh, from my MBA or, or maybe I'll learn some tools to, to help me and my group succeed. And, and over the year, uh, so that was 2004. And over the, over the, the time that I was in my MBA, I really kind of fell in love with, um, with, uh, uh, operations management. And, uh, I, I kind of, been in engineering earlier in my college career. And so I, I kind of had a tendency towards, towards engineering and I liked improvements. So, uh, kind of naturally gravitated to that with my project, uh, hospital wide flow project. So, uh, in my, uh, my year long project was tracking flow of a chest pain patient from entry into the emergency department through the entire hospital and kind of tying that back to, to ED, uh, ED and hospital overcrowding. And so, uh, so again, Chuck mentioned how we we began to kind of explore and expand the lean healthcare offerings at University of Tennessee, and uh, and then at the same time, I met a friend, a good friend of mine, Kirk Jensen. Uh, I met at the University of Tennessee, who's um, uh, the the head faculty for the uh, for emergency medicine in, in the Institute for Healthcare Improvement, and he and I partnered up in 2006 as well. I gave a couple of talks at the uh, Hospital Flow Collaborative, and then. He and I in 2007, uh, or actually 2006, kicked off the um, Eat Emergency Department um, uh, uh, Flow Collaborative, uh, and that was a, kind of the second round of that. Chuck er, uh, Kirk had done one earlier, uh, that uh, uh, earlier in the 90s, and so uh, so it was a combination of uh, of kind of uh, learning some new knowledge and then experiencing some different things with some different organizations that. Uh, and then kind of, as Chuck said, doing some on the ground work in our, in our, uh, hospital. And again, it was, uh, at first it was kind of, Hmm, let's try some things. And then, uh, and then as the ball kept rolling, uh, you know, our, our entire organization really became really involved and really enthusiastic about applying lean principles. So we had really high level support from the board, uh, uh, from our hospital administrators, from the, the ED group that I work with and from really the nurses, it was really, a a really wonderful explosion of some really nice uh, efforts on behalf of just about everybody in the organization. And uh, we ended up over time uh, building just a, a really uh, incredible place to work uh, uh, despite having these um, at, at times daunting volumes. So our, our volume from 2004 to 2008 went from about 72,000 visits up to 108,000 visits. Uh, and we did so in that the kind of the same footprint of our 50 bed ED that we expanded into in 2002. So uh, through uh, based on kind of the improvements that we had made in, in our ED and, and partnering up with IHI and working with um, uh, uh, around 100 or so emergency departments over a several year period, uh, we just really kind of understood or we, began, we really began to understand what lean meant within uh, the emergency department setting. And we've just been kind of going full bore ever since. Well, it, it sounds like Jody, there was a, a, a clear case for change, both for the department and yourself, 
um, professionally that sort of led the, this drive forward. Absolutely, and and if you think about it, that's that's what Lean's all about. It's about creating a, a continuous improvement environment. And I I think from a leadership perspective, it's it's you know how do you continuously improve yourself? And from an organization perspective, it's how do you create that community of scientists where you're you're continuously evolving and learning uh, from your experience. So yeah, absolutely. So let's talk a little bit about the book, and, and we'll we'll switch back over to Chuck. Um, again, the title is the Definitive Guide to Emergency Department Operational Improvement. Chuck, can you tell us the story of, of the book and, and what led um, to it, to its writing and publication? Well, uh, we uh, Jody and I had been working together uh, for for a few years, both sort of developing things conceptually as well as uh, putting them to work on the ground, as well as uh, is doing a lot of teaching. And so, you know, you had this physician who, who thinks and understands engineering concepts and uh, academic approaches and so forth. And then for me, you had an engineer academician who had been teaching and working intensely with operations uh, within the, the physician's executive MBA program for many years. And so, I knew a little bit about uh, healthcare by that point, and so we decided, you know, between the two of us, we could put together something that that not only had uh, solid foundations in terms of the theories and, and uh, the concepts uh, in a sort of a, a, um, a holistic fashion, but then also, uh, you know, the the track record of implementation uh, was suggesting there's really something there. And uh, we could then roll in cases, uh, examples, uh, real-world challenges to, to watch out for and so forth. So the, the result is, again, a book that's you know, pretty well grounded in terms of, of some of these deeper uh, academic concepts, uh, but yet is kind of written to almost be like a field book in that, you know, someone who's, who's motivated and, and sharp could could pick up the book and pretty much make uh, a lot of gains with it, uh, uh, and has enough detail to to help them how to uh, run events or to do analysis uh, and uh, and you know what what are the key characteristics with respect to change management and leadership and sustainability and and uh, those things. So uh, that's how we got to where we were on that and. Uh, you know, it, it started, I think, as kind of a small project, but very, very quickly when we realized everything that we wanted to share with the world and put into that book and having taught it, uh, you know, we, we wanted to put that in a very accessible fashion. And hopefully we've, we've gotten pretty close to that uh, in terms of the book. And now one thing I was impressed with, about the book was the mix of you know um, very very practical lean methods and, and the focus on on culture and as Jody put it creating a culture of scientists. But then Chuck, from your perspective, and you know I, I, I share roots as an industrial engineer um, to see the more um, mathematical and technical approaches, if you will, around queuing theory and and other IE practices. Can you talk about the role of integrating? Um, ideas and methods like that with lean, which, which is sometimes less math, or, you know, often is less mathematical. Uh, yeah, that's a, that's a great question. I think it's kind of a, 
one of the distinctions of the book is, you know, as an IE, um, you know, we know that topics or theories, things like queuing theory or flow through a network of queues or things like optimization. Uh, I mean, those topics and concepts have been around for decades, but their application in the real world has been really quite limited. Uh, th this deployment, I think, was hampered by the fact that uh, it was usually cast in a very complex fashion in terms of, you know, trying to educate individuals or deploy it, or sort of we as engineers got fascinated and would quickly jump to really sort of complex or overly uh, complicated models. And so uh, what we found, though, is that, you know, in, in many of the healthcare delivery systems that we work with, and emergency departments in particular, is, um, you know, they are actually operating quite often so far from optimal with respect to some of the, the key elements like managing bottleneck resources and demand versus capacity and, you know, these, these various sets of resources that all have to be in place, whether it's nurses or physicians or beds uh, or other equipment, uh, they all have to be really, you know, properly aligned with demand uh, or no matter how nice your your handoffs are, you know, how organized your workplace is, et cetera, it's still going to be problematic. And so we see these systems that are running so far from optimal that we realize that if we can convey some of the, you know, basics of these, these theories uh, in an accessible manner and they can, they can successfully apply them, uh, you know, maybe not to the, uh, you know, nth degree, but if they can get pretty darn close, then they they realize tremendous gains. Uh, and so we see the sort of the science and the math part of this is really just a, a sort of necessary complement to all of the on-the-ground changes uh, in, in, in an overall philosophy that says, you know, we're going we're gonna to move this operation in the right direction. Uh, we're, we're going to, we're going to develop our people with enough knowledge and implementation, uh, tools, both in the sort of classic foundational lean tools, but also in some of these, uh, flow-based, uh, considerations or inventory, uh, uh, analysis and so forth. So, uh, that's how it all sort of comes together. And, and we, we just see that as a really powerful, uh, combination, uh, of the, you know, the, the more IE-based tools as well as the, the uh, lean philosophy and lean tools on the ground. Yeah, well, I mean, I think even one of those just very basic, simple lessons is the, the queuing theory idea that, you know, 100% um, utilization leads to really long queuing times and really long waiting times. And you know, if you can help dissuade people of that temptation to say, well, we want every room and every dock to be 100% or even close to 100% busy, the impact that has on flow, right? Yeah, that's, you know, uh, I mean, the, the physics of queuing are like the physics of gravity in that, you know, if you have high utilization, if you, high, if you have high variation, some of it is system-induced, uh, you're going to get queuing. And so, you know, the skill there is to, or to recognize that, understand what you can control and affect and what you can't, and, and what, some of the, what some of the sort of proven countermeasures are with respect to, uh, you know, 
elements related to maybe just a single queuing interface and then you know multiply that into a, a network of queues and you'll really start to achieve flow. Great. Uh, Jody, let, let's come back to you and if, if you can talk um, a little bit about some of your examples at Mary Washington Hospital, um, some, of, some of the examples uh, and, and results of the ED improvement or the, you know, the hospital-wide flow perhaps, and, and maybe more specifically talk about the role of the physician leader in making those improvements. Sure, uh, and you know I'll, I'll I'll begin by kind of following up on that last conversation, which was um, which is real interesting. Um, I really think uh, one of the real things that we've learned over the years, and I and I I kind of learned a lot of it from the Institute for Healthcare Improvement. Uh, you know, Chuck, I think, kind of being an engineer, kind of intuitively knows it, but maybe didn't quite understand how it fit into healthcare in terms of of really that uh, gaining buy-in perspective. But, you know, this this whole thought of the quantitative elements of improvement, uh, I think it it really sort of goes, goes towards, um, you know, getting physician buy-in and, uh, and, and having objective targets for improvement. And so uh, when I think about the quantitative elements like queuing, uh, queuing analysis and um, demand capacity matching, it really kind of serves a couple purposes. So one is just sort of understanding, you know, where's my biggest bottleneck, and then how do I use my lean tools to unload that bottleneck? And 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 early on in in the the IHI collaboratives that we were running, we just started kind of just a, just matching up the number of docs and number of nurses we had on relative to our arrival patterns, uh, even though they were averages, and even though. Uh, there was some variation in the service times from with respect to the providers. And so, um, you know, what we started to do is say, hey, you know, here's your demand, here's your capacity. We know if you're going to be at 100%, your, your, your system's not going to perform well. So let's find ways to offload now these critical servers. And it, I think it's, it, in addition to the just objectifying the situation, uh, I think physicians, nurses, and healthcare workers really do respond to uh, anything that you can you can do to objectify what's going on, and, uh, and at the same time, it it sort of it it puts sort of the problem out there unequivocally. So, okay, here's the mathematical reason we're having problems. So get past your doubts and let's move forward. And so, um, kind of flashing back to Mary Washington uh, in that in the state we're in in 2003 2004. Uh, we 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 were facing some real tough problems. So we had um, a, a brand new 50 bed emergency department that was a year old, uh, so to speak. And um, we had some uh, a real dissatisfied community. We had um, very long waits to be seen. Uh, our length of stay was uh, around the four and a half hour range in 2004. Uh, probably much longer than that before that, but we didn't measure it before 2004. Uh, our walkout rate peaked in in the winter of 2003 up into the uh, 10 to 13 percent range. So, uh, imagine more than one in 10 patients uh, walking in, uh, more than one out of 10 patients walking out of your emergency department without being seen. And uh, we had uh, you know very dissatisfied employees, um, dissatisfied doctors and nurses, and obviously dissatisfied patients. And so, uh, what we did is we just started. Um, uh, segmenting patient streams and uh, creating uh, patient value streams, and uh, and really sort of going after uh, uh, value stream mapping, eliminating uh, the the activities that don't don't create 
value from the patient's perspective. And a lot of it in healthcare is just kind of the way we've always done it or these uh, you know, these back and forth cues and handoffs and interactions that really aren't necessary. Uh, one of the first projects we ever did was just we implemented something called a super track. So uh, this is uh, just a, a, a mid-level and a nurse just working in triage, um, uh, processing the very low acuity patients and eliminating pretty much all of the steps, uh, kind of boiling it down to just uh, a mid-level and a nurse. And, um, and you know, we, we, we located lab and radiology, you know, five or 10 feet away and just made it real simple for patients to get in and out of our RED. Uh, and we got that, that stream of patients under control. And then we moved towards the level three patients or the mid-acuity patients and uh, developed the whole system again for that uh, with value stream mapping. And we calculated the uh, the tack times and the, and we looked at our provider cycle times and we said, how, how do these match up at each step along the process? And really kind of uh, scientifically approached it. And to the point um, where we had, you know, 15 to 20 people working on this process uh, over several weeks, um, our first trial, it was almost like you knew it was going to work because you'd proven that it was going to work. And so uh, the real neat thing was to see this evolution of this team-based approach where we had doctors, we had nurses, we had techs, we had uh, uh, unit coordinators, we had, uh, you know, you name it, they were on the team designing the new process. And each person uh, brought their own piece of the puzzle to the equation, you know. So it was one of these cases where, you know, there's no way one person could have created it on their own, no matter how how intelligent they were. And and so over the course of, uh, you know, four or five years, we went from, uh, like I said before, about 72 to 74,000 visits a year up to 108,000 visits in the same physical plant. So we didn't change the number of beds we had at all. So we were clearly just really dysfunctional in the 50 beds that we had with long length of stays uh, in, in uh, 2003. And what we were able to do is to, we were able to increase our volume by about 50% in those same beds. And it was just by focusing on eliminating waste and reducing the length of stay. So we went from a length of stay of about four hours down to a length of stay of about two hours and 45 minutes. And our walkout rate went from uh, a highs uh, in the 10 to 13% down to below 2%. And uh, our, our patient satisfaction went from, you know, magnitudes of, of the, the lowest percentile uh, up to uh, uh, above the 80th percentile in a couple of years, and then uh, up above the 90th percentile after three or four years. So, uh, really, some dramatic and and the the staff really kind of uh, really owned it, and they they really you know uh, understood the concepts, and they they really kind of created this community of scientists uh, that that was that was willing to literally try anything. And I I'll tell you that you know. When I knew something was different, I walked in the emergency department one day and uh, I was coming in to work a shift and, and one of the nurses who was on our team's real enthusiastic uh, uh, member of the team came up to me and said, hey, Dr. Crane, what are we changing today? And uh, it, that was kind of like a, a really great moment in my career because like th three or four years ago, had you said that, uh, had you walked in and said, hey, let's change something uh people would have almost kicked you out of the place. So um, really, really neat transformation. Yeah, it sounds like an amazing story of 
not only providing you know patient benefit um, benefit to the hospital you know in, in terms of being able to increase throughput in existing space and not having that temptation of you know, so many hospitals have built and expanded and done construction and learned that maybe that didn't really improve anything but then also from the staff standpoint um, so maybe you know you touched on it with your comment about people asking you know maybe even somewhat enthusiastically what are we changing today um, I'm sure a lot of people would hear of you know volume increases like that and think whoa you know what what an awful place to work and what a stressful work environment that must be. Um, and I think lean thinkers would realize that, well, eliminating waste is going to create um, a better work environment. But can you elaborate on, on that part of it in terms of what it's like for yourself personally or what it's like for you know, some of the rest of the team members in the ED? Yeah, I tell you, um, I was able to really kind of watch our team grow. Uh, and I, it's been, it's actually been ups and downs. And I'll tell you the, the ups, you know, our, the average ED in the U.S. grows at about a two to 3% volume growth per year. And because of our uh, relative isolation, so the closest ED is about 35 miles in any direction. And then the closest tertiary referral center is uh, 50 miles in any direction. So uh, our volume from 2004 to 2000, uh nine uh, went up a, a low of 6% and a high of 11%. So at any given year, um, we were we were looking, you know, we got up to 90,000 visits and we knew the next year we would hit 100,000 because that's what our, our volume trend was. So it was almost like you had to fix something because if you didn't, you were going to be back uh, to the old days where, where things were really, really rough. And so I'll tell you, the, uh, the team... Uh, that we had, and it was everyone involved. I tell you, it was hospital administration uh, putting out fires. It was uh, it was our group of emergency physicians really kind of doing whatever it takes. It was the nurses um, really kind of understanding uh, what their role was in in the whole transformation, and all the way up to the board. and And it was real neat because we were able to take our team and say, "Hey, um, uh, you know." we've done this project, we've done that project, we put together a few presentations, and then our team went around and, and taught it to the rest of the hospital and showed what a great job they were doing. So there's there's some real kind of personal uh, personal and team-based achievements that, that really were gratifying. And, and uh, you know, starting in 2006, 2007, uh, lean started to spread throughout our organization, and I'm sure you've seen this happen a lot. But we um, we did some kaizen events between ED and radiology, and ED and lab, um, and uh, some some events within the ED, and then that spread a couple of years later throughout the the hospital uh, to ICU, to mother baby, to to the cath lab, and to the OR, and uh, and now um, you know our our hospital is uh, is actively trying to deploy lean throughout the entire institution. We've developed uh, an engineering or a Kaizen team. Uh, we've got, uh, we, we've uh, developed an internal Greenbelt program and the hospital pretty much did it on their own without me, so to speak. Uh, you know, obviously uh, a lot of uh, conversations and, and that sort of thing, but they've really kind of taken it uh, on their own and they're um, actively uh, seeking the Baldridge Award and they're using Lean as their platform to do that. So uh, I, I tell you, it can be really empowering uh, to, uh, to, give, to give a group sort of the tools and the philosophy 
uh, and just a slightly different way to approach things. Uh, but the understanding that um, if you use these tools and you apply them and you and you work hard and you focus, that you can actually uh, take take some uh, some power or empower yourself over your environment, which which to this point has seemed relatively uh, uh, unchangeable. So it's been really neat. Maybe bounce it back to Chuck for a minute. Do you, do you have any final thoughts or reflections based on what Jody was talking about or what you see happening in um, other emergency departments? Well, uh, uh, just to follow on, you know, as we describe it now and, and uh, the results of the journey, you know, we want to be careful not to, not to make everyone think this is a very easy thing to do. And uh, indeed, it's it's uh, takes persistence, uh, a tremendous effort, and you know you're doing this all the while. You know the plane is still flying. You're still providing seven by twenty four uh, care th from an operation, and so uh, it's got it's got a number of challenges. Uh, uh, I mean, lean is hard enough to apply in manufacturing or other service operations, but healthcare even has some additional characteristics that make it extremely difficult. And I think, uh, I think, uh, you know, it, it's application is, is, is getting a foothold. Uh, we're seeing, uh, as we're out working with emergency departments, we see more and more, uh, teams that are somewhat familiar with, uh, uh with lean concepts, uh, as far as its application, it's starting to make uh, some headway. You know, as far as getting started, you know, I, I think our, our standard uh, thoughts on that would be, you know, pick a pick an area or a project. Uh, you know, gain knowledge, be be uh, thorough in terms of your preparation, and then just try to try to change something. And ideally, try to try to find something that, if you improve it. It's going to be better for the patient. It's going to be better for the staff, and it's going to be better for the organization. Uh, and so, if you can get get something that's going to raise, you know, those three key stakeholder groups with with especially the patient at the center, then uh, it's gonna you're gonna gain some momentum. Uh, everyone's going to be happy with it, uh, and it's going to make the next target that you choose. Uh, easier facing less resistance and so forth. So, uh, you know, the, the kind of like the ad says, just, just do it. It's okay to, to pick something and try it and, uh, and bring a team together, uh, and, uh, and get started. Yeah. And Mark, I'll, uh, I'll just add one other comment, uh, which is, um, I, I think there's, there's lots of people out there that would just sit back and wait for, uh, training or uh, send all of their people to a big course or bring a course to them and, and wait a year if they're back backlogged for providing a course. And I, I really truly believe if you get one or two people uh, who are really kind of interested and they just start trying things. I mean, Lean's about, uh, it's not about perfect, it's about better. And uh, if, if we can get a few people to start going, hey, I can make this place a little better, do a little bit of reading, uh, start trying things, and, and then at least you can sort of learn what you don't learn or learn what you don't know. Uh, and then my last point would be uh, understand when you, when you really kind of get into this journey of, of performance uh, improvement and, and excellence, 
realize that it, it's not all easy and it's not always successful. And there are periods where uh, where you'll you'll face these tremendous challenges uh, and you'll succeed and it'll it'll be great. But then there'll be other periods where you fall off. And um, I tell you, we have um, over I would say over the last year. Uh, we we had a dramatic change in our um, landscape. So we went from a single hospital system. Now we have three hospitals in our town, and we have a, an additional freestanding emergency department. So now we, we went from a single ED town uh, to a four ED town in the course of about a year. And uh, that, that sent everything that we'd ever done kind of into a tailspin. And um, uh, and so it was really tough for us to recover from that. And I'd say we still haven't recovered yet. We're, 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 our performance has suffered a little bit. But again, um, just un- understanding that, that, boy, it's a group of people focused on, on change. And, yeah, you're going to fall off the wagon every once in a while. But the key is to kind of uh, regroup, um, uh, refocus, remap uh, the, the current state from the patient's perspective and then and then get going again. And so... Uh, my advice would be, you know, understand that it's a journey and it's a journey that never ends. Uh, as you fix uh, various aspects of your healthcare delivery system, new problems will pop up. And and that's in the, the real spirit of the theory of constraints. Once you fix a constraint, the next constraint or the next bottleneck will pop up. And uh, and understand that it 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 doesn't end. Um, and if if you think you've made it, you're you're. Uh, one step away from failure. So, <laughs> well, great advice, Jody and, and Chuck. Thank you for talking about your work and your book, The Definitive Guide to Emergency Department Operational Improvement. Um, I, I highly recommend it. Was happy um, to be able to endorse the book, and um, I, I'm sure it's going to be helping a lot of people out there with um, the great insights and, and, and practical experiences that, um, that you shared from both your perspectives. So, thanks for talking about all of that today. Well, thank you, Mark, and thank you for uh, you know the the lead you've taken in uh, in your own book, the Lean Healthcare, and uh, we know that's uh, that is uh, making a tremendous impact, and and that's what we're all in this for at the end of the day. Yeah, I I appreciate the uh, invitation to to chat with you, Mark. You're a leader in the field, and I I look forward to reading your second edition coming out soon. Um, uh, I tell you the. There, there were a few lean healthcare books out uh, before we started writing our book, or as our um, as our book was uh, coming to fruition. And I tell you, um, it's it's been nice to kind of see and interact with uh, with people who have, kind of share a similar mission and desire to to change uh, healthcare. And uh, we appreciate your leadership in the field. Well, that, that that's very kind of you, and um, I appreciate. Um, not just your leadership in the field, but the fact that you uh, did the podcast after working an overnight shift in the ED. So <laughs> get, get some sleep. Uh, it's, a, it's, it's such important work that, that, that you do, of course. So thank, thanks, both of you, for, uh, for your kind words and for your time today. Thanks, Mark. Take care. Thanks, Mark. Thank you. Thanks for listening. This has been the Lean Blog Podcast. For lean news and commentary updated daily, visit www.leanblog.org. If you have any questions or comments about this podcast, email mark at leanpodcast at gmail.com.